So before the werewolves emerge, it gives me great pleasure to welcome back Dr. Carlton Coffrin. In addition to exploring artificial intelligence, Carlton has, we're proud to announce tonight, he has officially won the Laboratory Support Prize for 2013. After speaking at the first show, he has made it to every single event. Narrowly coming second is my father, who was sick in September. Carlton. All right. It is a brisk evening on May 22nd, 1942. At this time, the TV is cutting edge technology and the world is knee deep in World War II. But today, two Polish American immigrants are very happy as the se their second son was born, Theodore Kaczynski, or Ted for short. Today's, by today's standards, Ted was a classic geek made one part brilliant academic and one part socially awkward. He could have been a guest star on The Big Bang Theory. With an IQ of 167, he was smart. So smart, he skipped several grades and completed high school at the age of 15. That's two or three years ahead of schedule by American standards. Being a child prodigy, Ted was invited to apply at Harvard. And of course, he was happy to attend. He started his studies in 1958. Ted graduated from Harvard at the age of 20 and subsequently enrolled at the University of Michigan where he had earned a PhD in mathematics. Ted's work was astounding. Regarding his PhD, Maxwell Reed said, I would guess that maybe 10 or 12 men in the country understood it or even appreciated it. Ted had all the makings of one of America's academic elite, a child prodigy, a brilliant PhD thesis, the whole works. So it's no surprise that directly out of grad school, at the age of 24, he became an assistant professor of mathematics at Berkeley. And at that time, he was the youngest professor ever hired by that university. Unfortunately, things don't always work out in academia. Just two years into his professorship, Ted resigned without any explanation. So what did he do after, at the age of 26 years old after quitting his job? What everyone does these days, you go back and live with your parents. So Ted was way ahead of his time in many ways. After two years of planning at his parents' house, he moved to Lincoln, Montana. Now just to give you an idea of what this means, Montana is 50% larger than Victoria and has one quarter the population of Melbourne. It is the boondocks. In Montana, ten, Ted lived a simple life. He had very little money, lived in a remote cabin he built himself with no electricity or running water. So basically, Ted was a hipster in 1971. However, his dream of a simple life was slowly crushed as new housing developments and industry surrounded his handmade abode. Ted was deeply worried that the Industrial Revolution had brought about a change in human society that could not be reversed. He once wrote, I don't think it can be undone. In part because of the human tendency to take the path of least resistance, people take the easy way out giving up your car, your television, your electricity. It's not the path of least resistance for most people. As I see it, I don't think, 
there is any controlled or planned way which we can disseminate the industrial system. Or, oh, Ted, only if you knew what the hipster revolution had to offer. <laughs> Over the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Ted's passion for returning to a simpler existence intensified. This ultimately led to his most highly read publication, Industrial Societies and Its Future. It's a 35,000 word essay that was published in the New York Times and the Washington Post on September 19, 1995. In this manifesto, Ted put forward his bold philosophical statements such as, the Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. Eventually, it will permanently reduce human beings and many other living organisms to engineered products and mere cogs in the social machine. Uh, I also, I think that the only way we will get rid of it is if it breaks down and collapses. So, at this point in my talk, you might be thinking, Wow, that's some pretty revolutionary stuff. Good on you, Ted. <laughs> or maybe, isn't this meant to be science villains night? This Ted guy sounds pretty great to me. <laughs> or maybe, how the hell did he manage to get a 35,000 word soapbox rant into the New York Times? <laughs> I wanna do that. Well, there's a little bit about Ted I haven't told you yet. He is most widely known by another name, the Unabomber. He acquired his alias by distributing 16 homemade bombs to people randomly in the United States over the course of 17 years. These disturbing acts resulted in three deaths and 23 injuries. During these 17 years, the FBI set up a hotline for tips relating to Ted's case, and the hotline received about 1,000 calls a day for 17 years. <laughs> That might have something to do with the million dollar reward for anyone who led to finding him. Uh, but ultimately, the publication of his manifesto in the New York Times was a threat that he made relative to a bomb, and it did lead to his arrest. No matter the sincerity of his goals, what Ted did is deplorable. There is no doubt Ted is a villain. However, with only a handful of peer-reviewed publications to his name, he does not have the chops to cut it as my villain of science. For that, I need to make a costume change. <laughs> I am now Henry Murray. The year is 1947. World War II is over, and America is indulging in the post-war peace and prosperity. After a wartime stint in the Office of Strategic Services, which is now known as the CIA, I have just returned to Harvard to resume my teaching and research initiatives in the relatively new field called psychology. Using my World War II government connections, I've become one of the fortunate few to be part of a research project called MKUltra. But shh, don't tell anyone. MKUltra is a covert human research operation experimenting in the behavioral engineering of humans. You know, mind control. And its, secrecy is, uh, it's secretly funded through the CIA's Scientific Intelligent Division. In retrospect, 
people will tell you that interrogating subjects under the influence of LSD or using psychological torture in experiments was disturbing or ethically indefensible. But this is essential to our national security. There's a war on, a cold war. So I will be using my, the students of my undergraduate class as subjects in my first experiment. <laughs> However, this project is so top secret, I can't even tell my human test subjects that they're part of the experiment. Okay, let me tell you about the experiment. I'll ask the students to make a personal diary, a very personal diary. Everything from their greatest aspirations to their darkest sexual fantasies. I will tell the students that they'll be sharing these diaries with their fellow students and will be debating the topics within their diaries. However, this is just a smokescreen. When they arrive for the debate, I will take them to an interrogation room. You know, an overhead light, a one-way mirror, the whole thing. And I'll strap them down in a chair with an EKG machine. We need data, this is science after all, right? Uh, then my professional interrogator will use a pers the personal essays to try to anger and humiliate the students. Meanwhile, we'll be taping their responses on through the one-way mirror. I have the students come back again and again to re-watch themselves be humiliated on this video, and I'll observe the results. Over the course of the experiment, one student has been particularly outstanding. We call him Lawful. So honest, so innocent, and only 16. He's my prime subject and the most responsive to this experiment. Now, let me break character and make a little reflection. The year is 1958. Lawful is a 16-year-old Harvard undergraduate. How many of those could there be? You may have guessed it. This star subject was none other than Ted Kaczynski, the same person who later went on to be the Unabomber. There is no excuse for what Ted did, and we'll never know how much Henry Murray's unethical experiments influenced Ted's life. But for taking a socially fragile 16-year-old child prodigy and using him as a test subject in a brainwashing psychological torture experiment, Henry Murray is my science villain. Thank you.